pulled out in front of me, cunt. I was already in front of you, dude. I couldn't have pulled out in front of you. Well, there's no need to fucking stick your finger up and treat me like a fucking cunt. I didn't treat you like a cunt, You dude. fucking asshole, cunt. I'm driving up the fucking road. You pull straight out in I fucking front of me. Front of you, and dude. then you fucking give me the dude. beer, you fuckwit. Dude, I'm not a fuckwit. I was already in you front of you. You are a fuckwit. You just pulled out in fucking front I of me and then abused me, you fuck. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This world has become so corrupt. As I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it, or looking at it, and I'm about to go crazy, literally. I'm about to go completely flywheel loose and just fall apart. Let's, let's, not, get, let's not get into blood and guts, because cause that's what you're trying to get into. Come on, fumble butts. Bam, motherfucker! It'll be a miracle if this tape ever is permitted to become knowledge that could spread across the world to even give individuals a chance to know what we have to say. Oh, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. it. I try so hard. Okay. Is that Shania? No, it's a guy, isn't it? Oh, it's uh, Miley Cyrus's dad, right? Randy Is Travis. It? Randy <laughs> Jackson. Randy Jackson. <laughs> Travis Tritt. <laughs> Who's, Let's go, girls! Who's the who's the wrestler who had the piece of wood he carried with him? Uh, Hacksaw Jim. Yeah, Duggan. I think no. that's her dad. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was my dad. Hell yeah! Hacksaw no, Rick. Hacksaw Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Just start calling him Hacksaw Rick. <laughs> I'm trying to think what weapon he would prefer to carry into the ring. Well, he is a mechanic, so... I was going to say, he'll, he'll probably have, like, a big-ass fucking torque wrench. <laughs> yeah, but you can, like, easily kill somebody with that. We need something more. A rubber mallet? Sure. That'd probably hurt I, too bad. I it. feel like you could easily kill someone with a rubber mallet. Yeah, probably. <laughs> How about, like, a... Uh... An air filter. There a magnetic... Go. One of those <laughs> little <filter>. magnetic <laughs> dishes that mechanics have. Yeah. Air filter Rick. He is now entering the ring. <laughs> if he can figure out how to kill someone with an air filter. <laughs> what a beast. That'd be amazing. I'm gonna smother you. It's a filter. I can breathe through it. <laughs> well, Triple H uses the sledgehammer, so rubber mallet's yeah. like a very PG. I can't imagine he actually has ever hit anybody with the oh, fucking no, sledgehammer. Always, he always like... No, it's always it. full bore. His, wow. sled, his sledgehammer way, is what Way he's... to ruin yeah. my entire what? views Let's of pro it. wrestling. Yeah. It's totally real, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure a... it is. <laughs> Those boys going from town to town defending their championship. Their muscles are 100% real. <laughs> yeah. The hits are 100% real. The blood is 100% real. <laughs> they're all act. They're not acting. I mean, that's how they really are that's in real it. life. Clearly. That's it. Some of them are like evil Satan worshipping <laughs> demons and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. Actually, when I was looking through Instagram earlier today, uh, this girl had posted, it was like a 90s, I think it was a 90s police how to identify a Satanist video. Wow. <laughs> and it's on YouTube. I've yet to, I need to watch it, but it yeah. looked pretty funny. It just had like this cop with this disgusting mullet and he's standing next to a tree with a little okay, white Cody, pentagram. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh -oh. don't, don't you ever refer to a mullet as disgusting. <laughs> what would you call it? A beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> okay. Kentucky waterfall, my friend. Here's a real question. Does it look better on men or women? <laughs> it's uh, six it's, of one, half it, dozen of the other, baby. Yeah. They need to bring back the female mullets. I think that uh, we're missing out there. That's hot as fuck. <laughs> What I was the nice shit they put greasy. in their hair? Uh, 
It looked it looked like it was kind of like stuck that way. It almost looked like a wa- it was probably, a waterfall. Probably <laughs> Murray's pomade because that shit oh. doesn't wash out. Kentucky waterfall. <laughs> yeah. You know where you, you want can Murray's get... out of your hair? You know what you do? You shave your fucking head. Yeah. You know where you get pomade? Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. The pomade yeah. In your hair reminds me of Jordan every time I do it. Dude, I have it in my hair right now. Oh, gross. What's I'm wrong with you? I'm a Dan man. Is it actually called pomade still? Is it actually called pomade still? Yeah, that's the actual, like, hairdressing. Okay, alright. There's what about- gel, there's pomade, there's paste, there's oh, wax. We've, we've already talked about hair mayonnaise on here, haven't we? <laughs> yes. It's Jordan's hair mayonnaise, yeah. a.k.a. the yeah. pomade. Alright, perfect. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Across from me and to the left, stage left for me, is Jordan. How's it going, everybody? Jordan, can you tell me, have you practiced with the band this week? Uh, no. Have you Mason this week? A lot. Did Masonry you, Corner? Didn't you see that Masonry sexy corner? fucking fireplace, fireplace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. on the gram? It only I did. took like four months to finish, but they got it. That's at JFoxMN. Mm-hmm. MN On Instagram? Yeah. Okay, at JJ Fox MN. Uh, good. Across from me also is Cody. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? You are at Bumblebutt Podcast on Instagram. Yes, that is me. I don't have my own cool handle. Yeah, I you probably do. should make you do. my own. No, fuck it. <laughs> no? You run Bumblebutt. That's yeah. your shit. That's your Instagram account. That's true. I can hide under the mask of Bumblebutt Podcast. I yeah. trust you. If anything you. goes awry, you can blame it on me or Adam. Yeah. I trust you to speak in all of I our I can't names. wait till I like open a message and it's talking shit about Cody. And they not knowing <laughs> that it's me there. <laughs> hey, hey, Jordan, you believe that fucking asshole Cody? <laughs> He's such a piece of shit. <laughs> so everybody's good this week then? Oh, yeah. yeah and then I, it, I'm glad to be done with that fucking fireplace. Good. What was so bad about it? It looked fun. No. No? So we all live, obviously, in the same area. You know how cold it's been since yeah. uh, Wednesday and all that. Sure. 15 degrees. So, this fucking fireplace, the way they wanted the stone set, no joints between them and whatnot. So, I had to fucking stand outside and cut the ends off of every single fucking stone mm. on awesome. that thing. Awesome. To make sure at least that part flushed up. Now, what do you use for that kind of job? What kind of saw are we talking here? I mean... We use a uh, chop saw. I can't remember the exact brand, but the big thing is the blades. Uh, we did have, we had two of them there. One didn't have a stone blade on it. One, the other did. Okay. Uh, the one that did, the blade was just completely fucking shot. Sure. Awesome. So, Do you have to use water? Up? Do you have to use the water on the blade to cut brick? Uh, you can use the water on there. All that does is cut down on the dust. Oh. But, oh. I so, thought it I thought it would save it from like splintering or whatever. No, no, no. It, it no. Just dust prevention, huh? Yeah, that's all that water so is. So the real question is how many times have you and your boys lined up bricks and tried to punch through them? How many? None. You pussies. Hold up real quick. Sorry about the interruption. That was a quick heater heater update. Mm. Heater was good. We we're all warm, right? We we're warm. It'd be cold as it fuck up just, here if uh, we didn't have it. It was real fucking loud. Back to the most important subject of the day. Masonry. Jordan's Masonry Corner. (laughs) Masonry Corner. Let's go. Uh, I believe I was saying, you know, the big thing is the diamond blades. 
For how much those fucking things cost, I feel like they should last more than two days. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, they're like yeah. 220 bucks but, a piece. Jordan, how much was the fireplace? That I am not privy I to. I bet that bitch was like five, ten grand at least. I'm not, I'm not sorry for your contracting no. company. I mean, I wouldn't be either. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just well, pissed how, because that shit doled out way too fast. So I'm sitting there in fucking like 14 degrees when it's snowing with a jacket on, freezing my fucking ass off. <laughs> just like, cut faster, you stupid piece of shit. So if, is this, what, is this, this isn't, you're not doing the entry level shit anymore, mm. are you? Isn't no. this like advanced? Yeah. This is what my company does. You're on the way. You're not hauling he's, mortar no more. He's like, oh no, I have to mix we... mud in between too. Oh, he's like vanilla ice right now. He's on there. He's in there. He's in there. He's 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 a. I'm in there like swimwear. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. It's amazing. I know. All I'm of cutting shit. I'm loading the dude up with fucking stone after it's cut. At least on that job. Otherwise, it's just kind of like here you go. Put that on there. Jordan, hey, what, I need mud. All right, I got you. What are you going to do when the world runs out of stone for you? That's a very real possibility. We're running out of stone at a rapid pace. Just drive Uber. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. People need, people need <laughs> okay. to get places. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to make my living. Stone mason by day, Uber driver by night. And Uber driver after the stone is extinct <laughs> from this world. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, last week we talked about Eddie Leonsky, mm-hmm. a real sick puppy. Yeah, an American he's, he's GI. not a nice guy. Hey, no. American GI from Brooklyn. He's bringing that fucking gabagool and that Sunday gravy over to Australia. I... Rise of blights. Rise of blights. I got to get back into it. <laughs> Rise of blights. Rise of blights. <laughs> Here we go, boys. I was just wondering, is what he just said even remotely close to a Brooklyn accent? Don't we care. Don't know. We don't know. Is what I'm care. doing off Wait, Jordan's head? Wait, it's no, Brooklyn. No, he's right. from New Jersey. So, yeah, that's like the fucking Italian mobster. But I was thinking accent. about this. Now, remember, his parents are Russian immigrants. Well, mm. Polish and one was Russian. So. Okay, it's a New Jersey accent, mm. okay. I think. I don't know. As has been pointed out to us multiple times, our accents are not good. No. They could use work. Yeah. But you know what? They provide you all comic relief. See? Exactly. So calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically we're talking about Eddie. Um, it was during the height of the world, uh, the height of world War II. Uh, the Australians were terrified that the Japanese were going to attack them, which they actually did. Mm. They called on backup from the Americans. The American soldiers headed over there. And Eddie... Leonsky was one of the soldiers to head over there. They didn't know they just invited a serial killer to their shores. Welcome. Yeah. And uh, where we left off is he had an attempted rape on a woman named Doreen, and he had committed his first kill that we know of Ivy McLeod, and that's where we left off after he had just strangled her to death. Let's get in there, Mike. <laughs> Thank you, God. You're welcome. <laughs> God has spoken to it. It must be all the scripture candy he's speaking to us. Cody, can you just one day edit air horns in for me? The Real day you do that, that, I'll stop doing it. That means I'd have to watch like League of Legends gameplay or something. I'm not doing that. You send me the cl- you send me the little thing for it, and I'll done. 
You want me to just put it over every time you talk so we can't even hear you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've replaced Jordan with an air horn. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason the, the air horns make him more sense all of a sudden. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Mr. Airhorn. <laughs> Suddenly this is back on track again. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's do it. Get off your phone. You fuck. You fucking animal. We're leaving that in there because you're always on your fucking phone. I'm trying to download an air horn sound. (laughs) Do that after the show. God damn it. I need it for the end of the show. (laughs) All right. Where we left off with Eddie Leonsky, he had just raped and killed a woman. Not raped. Not raped. Just killed. Just, just killed. He not sexually the assaulted. Fuck out of her. He just staged her body. Right to make Stripped it all her look clothes bad. off. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To so, decorate her right. body or whatever. Right. Humiliated and dehumanized this poor girl. Do you right. remember her name by chance? Ivy McLeod. Ivy McLeod. Excellent. Yep. Okay. Sweet last name. All right. Let's uh, let's find out who's gonna find this puppy, huh? Around six forty-seven a.m., Harold Gibson was smoking a cigarette nearby when he took notice of an American soldier walking away. Harold got a bit curious because that particular alcove is inaccessible. It was still slightly dark when he approached the alcove. He lit a match and noticed the girl, whom he believed was just sleeping, until he touched her knee. She felt cold and clammy. He thought she was just sleeping naked in the in the middle of an alcove. You know what? Yeah. Australians like to party, I guess. I, I don't feel, know. Okay. Actually, that's a great explanation. <laughs> yeah, it really is. He swiftly contacted the police, whom would arrive rather quickly. With the investigation underway, they determined she had probably died between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. She had most likely died to strangulation, even though her fr- head fracture was bad. She hadn't been robbed, and there were no signs of sexual intercourse. Mm. That throws away Adam saying that he <laughs> raped her. I mean... <laughs> Which was made clear in part one that he didn't. If, if you think about it, though, I mean, following what these guys usually do, that's what you think would come next, right? I mean, like, yeah, think of Cole. True. Remember Cole? This yes. guy kind of reminds me of him a little yeah. bit. That's why I think it kind of... Because Cole was a military man himself, right? For a little bit. For a tiny bit. (laughs) And he liked to pound the beers a little bit, too. But uh, anyway, the following day after the murder, Eddie could be found sitting at Hotel Victoria drinking beers as if nothing had happened. Sure. On Monday, May 4th, 1942, Melbourne's local newspaper was scattered with stories from the war. Buried somewhere around pages two or three was a story of Ivy's murder. How is that not front page news? <laughs> I like. I, I feel like there's not a lot of murders in Australia. Hey, but Australians someone, like to party. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I would. Ass- I would assume so. But think about it. Like the war is terrifying, right? Like oh, yeah. that's going to be yeah. the headline. Like people are in fear that the Japanese could bomb them or whatever at any time. Certainly. So they're a right murdered off the woman, coast. Yeah, sad, I mean, to us it's fucked up, but sadly, the murdered woman's kind of in the background of the larger war going it's on. It's just like yeah. all those kidnappings at 9-11 that, like... Oh, was there? Oh, yeah, just got swept under the rug, like really? all the kidnappings and killings in New York. Oh, because right, it was like, right, right. There Listen, was a lot of to, shit going on. They had to start that fucking fake war in the desert to get oil somehow. That's right. Uh, that's you can't right. Can't bothering people with fucking kidnappings. <laughs> you still got that edgy Jordan riff around yep, here? I'm gonna, we're going to put that in there. All right, good. I was it's gonna, not edgy if it's true. I was going to say for Jordan in particular, uh, Slayer released an album on 9-11 that got swept under the rug. So. I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I. Yeah. 
I think it was their God Hates Us All album. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And was that 2001? I thought that was like in the 90s. I'm almost positive. Was that because their saying was like, well, this just really proves that God does hate us all or something. I you hate know? this fucking race. God <laughs> hates us all. God Can you keep your all. neo-Nazi singing to yourself, It's about Jordan? the human race, Cody. <laughs> and then sure Hank Moody got a great career off it, didn't <laughs> Right, right. The detectives investigating had a fairly decent idea of the type of person they should be looking for, but not a whole lot to work with. On May 5th, a private at the U.S. Army headquarters received a call in regards to the murder. They claimed the man sounded American and said, About the dame who was murdered the other night. You should tell them to look for a man who walks on his hands. Sir, who is this? <laughs> Never mind about that, buddy. You just tell them to look for a guy who walks on his hands. <laughs> to be fair, if you see anybody walking on their hands, you should be noticing them probably. You should be concerned. Yeah. Uh, first off, if I saw someone walking on their hands, I would throw money at them. Be like, really? I am impressed. Here's five bucks. Damn. We got a skill to learn, Cody. Yeah, you'll each get $5. <laughs> That's a good ROI. Not really knowing what to do, the private just simply typed up his report and forwarded it to his superiors. By the end of the next week, any mention of Ivy McLeod's murder was nowhere to be found. Hmm. With the Battle of the Coral Sea raging between the Americans, Australians, and Japanese around this time, and the Prime Minister Curtin announcing they would introduce a quota system to ration goods... It would cause a bit of a panic in Melbourne, overshadowing Ivy's murder. I believe you mean Melbourne. <sighs> I've heard Melbourne, M- Melbourne, whatever. Who gives a shit? Sorry, oh, I do, Cody. I give a shit. Actually, I'm pretty sure last episode you were like Melbourne. No, 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 no. Melbourne. He definitely said Melbourne. Did he say Melbourne? Said Melbourne. Yeah. We listen to enough podcasts where that's brought up. Melbourne. Often. Yeah. Okay. Melbourne. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> May 8th, 1942, Eddie was hanging out at the hospitality club when he spotted a woman he would come to know as Coral O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Coral O'Brien was actually named Pauline, you think it's Buchan? Buchan? I was going to yeah, definitely Buchan. Pauline Buchan Thompson, a 31-year-old married to Les Thompson, and they had two children. Pauline had actually moved to Melbourne to continue her music and singing career. Mm, seems like a weird move, but okay. <laughs> What, what do you mean? You go where people want you. Yeah, Australia. Doofus. Well, I'm saying she's from the country. She's coming into the oh, city. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. I, I kind of thought it was she's, she's from like, like the U.S. or mm, some other country. Like I was right Australia. There that's where I'm going to make my money in music. <laughs> <laughs> she's like Druid. They came from Wisconsin. Now they're in the lovely city of St. Paul. Okay, first off, <laughs> for metal bands, it is a smart move to Very go to Australia. <laughs> oh yes. All right. Or Japan. I I will bring that up in between the bumbles. Bring that up with your band, too. Let's go to (laughs) Japan and Australia. Anyway, continuing the story. With the influx of soldiers in Melbourne, there was a large demand for people in the entertainment industry. Pauline used different names such as Coral O'Brien, Coral Thompson, Pauline O'Brien, and so on to hide her identity a bit. Pauline was also known for maybe being a bit unfaithful to her husband and enjoyed the company of men just a little bit. Mm. That Friday, the 8th, she had agreed to go on a date with another soldier named Justin James Jones. Triple J, you can't trust him. <laughs> That's literally what I'm going to call him for now on. Good, good. <laughs> 
Pauline was waiting for Triple J at the hospitality <laughs> club, believing she had been stood up. That is when Eddie and Pauline exchanged smiles before Eddie made his way to her, asking if he could sit. Pauline nodded. Eddie then said, Been stood up, eh? Pauline replied, It seems that way. Beautiful. I got it. I got it. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> you crotchety old bitch. <laughs> Boy, whoever stood you up must have had something very important to do. I'm sorry. My name's Eddie. How are you doing? I look better now. <laughs> <laughs> A lot better now. And by the way, my name's Coral O'Brien. I actually came into town to have a drink, but I guess this place only serves coffee and soda pop. Mm. I think they also do a very nice tea. <laughs> but if you want something a bit stronger than that, I do know a place up the hill a bit where you can go. Hey, that's great. But would you consider joining me? Why not? The two headed outside with Pauline leading the way to their next destination. Funny thing is, Triple J actually showed up roughly 15 minutes after Eddie and Pauline had already left. It was raining outside when the two were navigating to their next watering hole. Bar hopping. <laughs> Eddie said, Where the hell are you taking me? <laughs> the Astoria Hotel. I think you'll like it. <laughs> it wasn't too long before the two reached the hotel and headed inside. Eddie ordered both of them gin, gin squashes with no ice. Do you Ew. know what these are? No. Fuck no. I should have looked it up. Fuck it. Is Gross. It, is it Sounds a disgusting. bottle of gin inside a squash? I hope, you just pow- I hope so. <laughs> you just put a shot inside a squash and keep drinking it. <laughs> and then you eat it. And it's booze-soaked <laughs> booze squash. <laughs> a Thanksgiving uh, special right there. <laughs> Fox household, get ready. <laughs> Later, the bartender... <laughs> Later, the bartender named Alfred Bliss would recall both of them would have at least half a dozen within an hour, <laughs> and they were dicks for not tipping him. Well, I mean, yeah, you are dicks for not tipping, but that, also, I love that the bartender's name is Alfred Bliss. It's, it's a rad. great bartender name. <laughs> because he's giving everybody bliss. The damn right. He's a bliss dealer. Where's Alfred Bliss when I need someone to crack me open and Shoot him with right the now? bliss bullets. <laughs> you remember that game, Cody? No. Far Cry 5? Oh, oh, did yeah. you not play no, it? No, no, no. Okay. As the night progressed, they continued drinking until Eddie pulled out the old... I'm out of money. <laughs> but Pauline didn't mind. She kept the gin squashes coming. What a decent broad. <laughs> In between their conversation, the fact that she was a singer came to light, and Eddie would request her to sing him a song, Ooh. which she did, and he was quite impressed with her beautiful voice, which will become important later on. Please Does he don't... think that he can take her voice box and <laughs> shove it in his throat? <laughs> Please don't rip out her vocal cords, dude. <laughs> he, he does not. It was almost 11 p.m., and closing time was nearing, and Eddie offered to walk Pauline home. Pauline would agree, since she only lived a few blocks away. The two of them began their journey home, and on the way, once again, Eddie was requesting her to sing him a song, which she gladly did, since it was her passion, like Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, we need to walk with Jordan and be like, hey, can you play us a sick bass riff, bro? Just carry around your fucking bass everywhere. No amp or nothing. I just want to hear a raw bass. (laughs) It's going to sound so bad. (laughs) It didn't take them too long to reach the front door of the boarding house she was staying at. 
Eddie and Pauline were enjoying a cigarette together, complimenting what a nice night they had had. Slowly, Pauline began to move towards Eddie for a passionate kiss. Mm. Eddie, though, had other plans. Mm. As she leaned in, mm -hmm. he wrapped his hands around her neck. Mm. She was fighting as best as she could, but he was just too strong. It didn't take him too long to choke her to death. Afterwards, he once again staged her body, spreading her legs and exposing her genitals just like Ivy. We aren't certain how long Eddie was actually alongside the body, but when he thought he had heard some footsteps, he snatched Pauline's handbag and took off. He would just take the money out of her handbag and pay for a ride back to Camp Pell before ditching the purse. The footsteps were none other than the one, the only, Henry McGowan. <laughs> Welcome back, Henry McGowan. Hell a contracted yeah. night watchman. That sounds like kind of a cool job, actually. Right? Definitely. While doing his patrols early in the morning, he would stumble upon the woman's body sprawled out upon the stairs. He quickly ran to the local telephone box and contacted the police. Good. Hey. What a badass he is a night good, watchman. He is a good night watchman. He did the one thing he was supposed to do. <laughs> I love you, Henry. It's too bad you're out of our story, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's He's got other night watchmen duties <laughs> for you performing. He's got a Excuse me, I have to go uh, look through Miss Johnson's he's like, windows he's to like, make sure that she <laughs> changes for bed just fine. He's like, officers, I got this whistle to be spinning. It ain't going to be spinning itself, all right? <laughs> The detectives would arrive around 6 a.m. and begin performing their investigation. They would conclude she had been dead for roughly four to six hours, bruise marks and facial expressions were consistent with signs of strangulation, and the woman had been on her period, but they could not determine if she had been sexually assaulted. Hmm. With not a lot in the way of evidence outside of, outside of a few cigarette butts and a couple witnesses that recognized Pauline, they didn't have much to go on once again. In fact, it actually took them a minute to figure out her real name was actually Pauline Thompson due to the aliases she was giving everybody. Sure. The detectives were fairly certain, though, that the murderer was an American soldier and that the two murders were certainly connected. They made a decision to slowly leak the information to the local press in hopes more information would come to light. While they didn't straight out say they believed the two murders were connected in the paper... It wasn't difficult for the general public to figure that out on their own. Yeah, two women who have been strangled and then... Staged. Yeah, yeah staged in a very demeaning manner. It it's, makes it's, sense. It's like, much different than now where the they love... person. They love going for serial killer immediately, even though they're probably not connected. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. they like, want serial killer is like a sexy news-selling term, you know what I'm saying? True it's crime's kind of hot as hell right now. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Soon newspaper headlines use words like Melbourne... Murderer, soldier, strangler, in several different combinations. One newspaper claimed it was the new Jack the Ripper. Wow. <laughs> he's the, he's really claim. trying to sell shit. Until finally, the name Brownout Strangler would stick and forever be synonymous with Eddie Leonsky. That's gross. <laughs> yep. What's he doing? <laughs> he's shitting his pants while he's strangling people. Shitting his pants all <laughs> The Brownout Strangler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, Jordan. That was actually pretty good last week. I know. <laughs> After the murder, Eddie himself had just returned to work as if nothing had happened. That day in particular was May 9th. His old friend, Anthony... Joey Gallo had decided to pay him a visit, and this day, Joey will hear something that will haunt him forever. Eddie had known Joey from boot camp in Texas. Joey was a shorter New York-born Italian whom the other soldiers liked to pick on. Mm. 
until Eddie became his protector and threatened anyone with, with a beating who messed with Joey. Ooh. Do we, would we do that with him? No. No? <laughs> just let, just beat him off. We don't no, care. No, no, no. I'll <laughs> protect you. No, that's what I I would expect. Be like, yeah, he's a fucking asshole. He gets go turned, for it. We'll just be like, he gets turned on by a good beating, so go ahead. <laughs> You're not wrong, Cody. <laughs> Watch out for the boner. Joey, he's going to stab him through the stomach with his boner. <laughs> When Joey approached Eddie on May 9th, Eddie was sitting outside his tent smoking, drinking whiskey out of the bottle and crying. He looked at Joey and said, I killed Gallo. I killed. Joey obviously was a little taken back and simply told Eddie, maybe he should get some sleep. <laughs> sleep it off, man. Eddie said, fuck that. It's Ooh. Saturday night, my boy. Yeah. And the two hopped on the tram into the city. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Their first stop was the St. Paul Cafeteria for Ooh. some tea. And a plate of sandwiches. Yeah, let's rip it up, baby. I keep hearing plate of sandwiches all throughout this. I'm like, what do you get with a plate of sandwiches? I I hopefully a a massive pyramid of sandwiches. Dude, I want two sandwiches. I want like ham and cheese on the bottom, turkey, a club. Like how many chicken salad, egg salad? How many? You need like a combo for a plate of sandwiches. And then finally on top. The crowning jewel, the Thanksgiving leftover. I always sandwich. remember, like that would be my ideal place. It of didn't sandwiches. happen too often, but if if we was helping in the fields or whatever yeah. out on the farm, everyone's dirty and whatnot. And usually my mom or whoever would just make like a giant plate of just sandwiches, yeah. just generic sandwiches, bring them out. And of course, everyone's fingers are dirty. Sure. Them. It's oh, good yeah. though. It's good though. When Jody did daycare, same thing. A plate of sandwiches, bring them out. Sometimes for uh, lunch or afternoon snack, a plate of peanut sandwiches. butter and jelly, just a million sandwiches <laughs> sitting on a plate. Yum. Joey would recall Eddie reading through the newspaper in search of a particular story. When he found the story of Pauline's murder, Eddie actually began to confess to Joey, even showing him the pack of cigarettes and the money he had taken from Pauline. God damn. Joey said he didn't believe him, and if he did in fact murder her, why not seek advice or help from a priest? (laughs) Eddie said, I don't trust no one but you. Joey replied, Well then, why not give yourself up? Mentioning he could claim mental insanity. Eddie replied, I could, couldn't I? Hmm. After a moment of awkward silence, Eddie said, let's get out of here. Let's blow this popsicle steam. After confessing to a murder, where would you take your friend? The milk bar, of course. Fuck, they are Is this a clockwork it. orange? <laughs> they are ripping it up on a Saturday night, man. Eddie ordered a malted, mil- oh. malted milk. Do you know what that is? I, is that I ice cream? That's like a, that's- it's a malt. Basically. With milk in it? Yeah. Can you order well, room temperature milk at a, a milk malt? A malt is a milkshake with malt powder in it, so I'm guessing this is just a malt. Okay, yeah. all right. And Joey just sat pondering about what Eddie had just told him. After finishing his drink, the two soon left, and Joey said he just wanted to go back to Camp Pell. Eddie said that was a good idea. Yeah. Eddie then draped his arm over Joey's shoulder and said, Hey, forget everything you've heard. <laughs> It was a silent ride home. Wow. Really? That's uh that's an You're awkward not conversation. Be there? I think I would call the cops, Jordan, if you told us you just murdered somebody. That's I just would, me I though. wouldn't blame you. <laughs> the following day, Joey went into Eddie's tent to talk. <laughs> the two of them went for a little walk. I didn't mean that to rhyme. And Eddie tried to explain <laughs> to Joey the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <sighs> this is how Eddie would explain himself when he was sober. 
first when he was drunk. They all want to be so romantic. These I know. Serial killers. I know. They all want to have yeah. like a, a an affliction and a a dark passenger. We gotta. By the time we get to the end of this, I'm gonna be curious what you guys think. But like, because of his previous mental history, remember he's got schizophrenia running through his family. Yeah. We don't know if the alcohol just sets him off or whatever. So that's like a huge trigger. Yeah. yeah. So sober Eddie was nice and kind, like Doctor Jekyll. But sometimes Mister Hyde just takes control of him with his drunken, violent rage. After telling Joey this, the two just simply parted ways. <laughs> All right, buddy. Come here, come here. I got to tell you about the story of Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. I killed someone. Here's the reasoning behind it. Good seeing you later, Doctor Adam and Mister Jordan. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Several days later. Joey still pondered what he should do with this information. He was approached by Eddie once again. Eddie sternly looked at Joey and asked him, Have you ever heard of werewolves? Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Jesus. Using this analogy to explain his actions to Joey. Once again perplexed, Joey simply didn't know what to do. He couldn't tell if Eddie was being serious or not. Joey said, Hey, Eddie, why are you just running down the list of universal monsters to me? Yeah. I just love it. You know what? Okay, forget Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You ever heard of werewolves? I'm the Wolfman. They're the exact same concept (laughs) as that, but it's different. Have you ever heard of Two-Face from Batman? (laughs) You mean Harvey Dent? Shut up, bitch. Where's (laughs) Lyle? Shout out, Effie. Yep. Roughly a week after Pauline's murder, Eddie approached Joey while he was working in the kitchen. Joey looked right at Eddie and said... This thing is driving me crazy, and I will have to turn you in. Go ahead. The way Eddie responded, it almost seemed like he wanted Joey to turn him in since he couldn't do it himself. In the late afternoon of Tuesday, May 12, 1942, a young woman named Kathleen Elliott was returning home from the tram stop after work. She noticed an American soldier catching up to her quickly. When he did, he asked her for a cigarette. She did not have any. He asked if he could walk alongside her. She said, I suppose I can't stop you. (laughs) When they reached her doorstep, he said, Aren't you going to invite me in? Fucking sleaze bag. (laughs) Like, I feel like women nowadays would be like, No, get the fuck away from me. You're not following me to my fucking house, you creep. She told him no because her husband was home. Yeah. First, the soldier placed his hands on her shoulder before moving to her throat and began suffocating her. God damn. Thankfully, Kathleen was able to break free of his grip and let out a scream for help, causing the soldier to flee into the night. Kathleen nor her family would report this incident to the police. Reasons are not known why. It's just like the chick from the first one that's like... I'm like, is the Australian police just mean to everybody or like why don't they want to call them i, I during think this just, time i don't they're know just like there's more important things to yeah, worry about yeah. but the, it's like fuck the chick was like didn't wasn't she like being strangled and she got away and then she's like mm-hmm. ah, no harm was yeah, done no it's yeah, fine it's nothing fine. technically happened yeah. fuck it fuck someone did just try to end my life <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> it's all good the japanese might be coming during the we got out. nazis and japanese to worry about this guy fuck this him. is yeah he's just a little rapey <laughs> Literally 20 minutes later, another woman was assaulted after opening her front door. The American soldier tried to strangle her again, but like Kathleen, she had managed to free herself and scream for help, making her assailant once again flee into the night. Wow, and he's a strapping guy, too. Like, he's he a big fella. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say this. He must have been drunk. Um, I believe these two, they don't technically know it was him. 
okay. they're suspected it's him because of his M.O., right? Gotcha. Does that make sense? Uh, yep. So, it seemed Eddie's desire to murder women was increasing, but also becoming sloppy and careless. Mm-hmm. The date was May 18th, 1942, and Eddie was drinking at the Parkville Hotel. He enjoyed a few drinks with a milk cart driver named Rupert Burns. <laughs> All right, I love you, Rupert. <laughs> Around 5 p.m., Eddie was enjoying a whiskey, a plate of sandwiches, <laughs> and a can of peaches. This time. <laughs> what the f- How can I get that exact meal nowadays? <laughs> Just walk that- into a restaurant and be like, can I have a whiskey, a plate of sandwiches, and a can of peaches? <clears throat> Let's start that restaurant. No? I think that would be a hit. I think drunk people would do that in a minute. Bumblebutt's Cafe, boys. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. Hell yeah. Around 6.30 p.m., Rupert had offered Eddie to go see a new film, Western Union. Oh, is that, is that the documentary where they show you how to send a uh, fucking... <laughs> how to get ripped off by high transfers? interest rates. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie agreed, but said he might need to lie down for a little bit before the movie. Sure. They headed to the boarding house Rupert was staying in. Rupert then showed Eddie to an open bed and went to make himself some food. Sir, you just had a can of peaches. Yeah, come on. Come on. You're going to really ruin your guts, right? <laughs> yeah. Within 20 minutes of returning, Eddie had disappeared. After leaving Rupert's, Eddie was just kind of wandering around until he bumped into a woman named Gladys Lillian Hoskin, knocking her newspaper onto the ground. Because it was lightly raining, he apologized and offered to carry her umbrella for her. Mm. He asked Gladys if perhaps he could walk her home, and she agreed. They would carry on a pleasant conversation, Eddie being completely enthralled with how lovely her voice was. They soon reached a spot near Camp Pell lined with military trucks. I hope this uh, dialogue coming up isn't uh, her. What do you mean? Because... She has a lovely voice, apparently. Mm, A a beautiful Australian voice. (laughs) They all have beautiful voices. I love that. Rise of lies. Rise of lies. The Australian ladies, I love your accent. The two would pass in between a couple of the vehicles leading into a grassy area, now out of sight of anybody. Gladys thanked Eddie for the help and wished him well before turning to head home. Eddie then lunged at her from behind, gripping his hands around her neck and proceeding to choke her to death. He then dragged her body underneath a low fence, picked her up, and carried her until he fell over a mound of mud. She started to gurgle a little bit, so he lifted her clothes up and jammed them into her mouth until she went silent. An Australian private named Noel Seymour had noticed Eddie hanging around the fence. Eddie then approached him covered in mud and said, Where do I catch a tram to Royal Park? (laughs) The private replied, Where the hell have you been, mate? I fell over a pool of mud crossing the park. My girlfriend is nice. I thought I could drink, but she drank me under the table. (laughs) Okay, sir. The private simply told him to turn around and head the way he had came from. But watch out for those goddamn mud puddles this time. (laughs) Hey, where's Royal Park? Back the way you came. Take your fucking girlfriend with you. (laughs) Eddie made his way back to Camp Pell and into his bunk. Private First Class Pat Farino would estimate it was roughly 9.15 p.m. when he went into Eddie's bunk. He saw him lying on his back, bare-ass naked, and reeking of alcohol. (laughs) So, being the nice guy Pat was, he covered him with a quilt. I just asked that. I would totally do that for either of you two. I just want you to know. Yeah, if we ever 
wind up on a vacation, the three of us, and I pass out naked, reeking of booze, because I'm the only one in this group that's going to do that, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that one of you just covers me up. Or well, if we end up in, like, a stripe situation where we all get drafted and we have <laughs> yeah. to go to war together. Yeah. yeah, then we're totally gluing, like, a royal flush in your hands when you pass out. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> so when you wake up, you'll have a nice royal flush. Like, where's my money? <laughs> What if you just started singing that? Uh, who's the guy who sings that song? Uh, you gotta know yeah. when to fold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. All right, that's enough of that. But that is. Uh, that's beautiful, guys. Thank you. Not Kenny Chesney. Why did I think Kenny Chesney? I, it's Kenny something. Kenny Loggins? Yes, Loggins? No, Ken it's Log- not Kenny Loggins, you. Idiots. Ken Burns. No. No, it's Kenny Long. It is not Kenny Long. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. You know what? Got I'm... it. We just got it. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Put your fucking phone Idiot. away. Kenny Loggins made Danger Zone. Mm. Eddie had stripped naked to wash the mud off of his clothing and passed out naked in a drunk murderous stupor. <laughs> drunk murderous stupor. <laughs> How many times have we've all done it? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been in a drunk stupor. I don't know about a drunk murderous stupor. I can't remember if I have Maybe one. you just murdered a vegan burger and you oh, passed out. black beans, baby. Morningstar, baby. <laughs> We're going to get Brad after us again talking oh, shit yeah. about vegans. Oh, yeah. And Pip, too. She's vegan, too. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. No, absolutely not. Eat what not. you want to fucking eat. Right. Anyway. Around 7 a.m., Albert Whiteway, a local butcher out on his meat deliveries for the morning, would take notice of an umbrella sticking out of the mud. He would approach it and soon discover the body of Gladys. He swiftly contacted the police. When the police began their investigation, they noticed similarities from the other murders. Her body was once again staged. She was lying face down with her head in the mud. Her legs were spread, exposing her buttocks and genitalia. The detectives tried to hire an aboriginal tracker because footprints clearly would have been left in the mud. When the tracker arrived at the crime scene, he noticed it had been tainted from so many people walking mm. around, and there wasn't much he could do. Some bumblebutt police. Oh, you know. Hey, we need this guy to uh, follow these footsteps or whatever. But in the meantime, feel free to walk wherever the fuck you want. Do you think they just like threw a boomerang and that's how they summon him? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, they taught. He was like, "What? Oh, what's that horn? What's that Australian horn? That didgeridoo?" Yeah, he just hears summon, a little whoa, 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 whoa. summon the tracker. He's like, "Oh shit, they need me." They fly in on a koala bear. <laughs> Someone totally posted a soaking wet koala bear, and it has like the angriest fuck. It it's, looks like a fucking it's werewolf. It's terrifying. Really? It is scary oh, yeah. as fuck. fuck. Don't get them wet. Those right? little murder bears are scary. <laughs> the coroner would determine she was in fact strangled to death and showed no signs of sexual assault, but he did find yellow mud inside her vagina that the doctor believed was placed there by somebody. Me? I guess that's technically uh, assault, uh, sexual assault, but. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering why. It's probably the same thing of why someone would stage the body. Maybe another level of degrading the corpse or whatever. I Yeah. We don't, wouldn't obviously ever do that, so it's hard for us to know why he would do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked. Also, nothing was taken from her handbag, basically ruling out robbery as a potential motive. The lead detective, Sid McGuffey, <laughs> I love his last Sid name. Sid McGuffey. Badass name. Was now certain 
that there was a serial killer residing within Camp Pell. When the base received the latest news of the murder, they would agree to assist the Australian police and put the camp on lockdown. Although technically, there were spots in the camp with no fences, so the GIs could basically <laughs> just leave anyway. But McGuffey headed to the camp determined to interview every soldier if he needed to. Jeez. This guy ain't fucking around. No, no. man. McGuffey also had a few pieces of critical information he had gathered from witnesses. Several people mentioned a U.S. private who had a reputation for bizarre drinking rituals <laughs> and had a predilection for showing off his physical prowess, such as walking on his hands. And Dude. lifting giant bags of sugar over Right, there. right. <laughs> they all knew him as Eddie, but didn't know his last name. Secondly, Doreen had came forward, mentioning a man who had attempted to choke and rape her, and turned over the singlet with the initials E.J.L. Excellent. So began the extensive search through Camp Pell, while there was roughly 25,000 soldiers Fuck. in or around the base to question. Holy hell. That's a fucking lot. Several clues gathered would help them narrow that down. After hearing about the murder of Gladys, Joey Gallo was immediately suspicious that this had to be Eddie and went to question him about it. Even though Eddie looked disheveled and a bit preoccupied, he still denied it. Mm. Later that same afternoon, Eddie and Joey were walking by a lineup being conducted by the detectives in a search for the killer. Eddie said to Joey, Eh, hey, this looks like the end of the trail for me. Then set forward, seemingly okay, with what was about to happen to him. You know what I gotta say? Joey Gallo here is a really good friend. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. he, instead of going, knowing that it has to be him, pretty much... Instead of going to the superiors, he goes to him first and says, what the fuck? Think think about how he views Eddie, though. Like, Joey is getting the shit kicked out of him by the other GIs, and yep. Eddie comes and saves the day. And, I mean, I'm sure he's, I wouldn't say hero, but whatever, he's his... Protector. Somebody, yeah, basically. He's so. his white knight. Maybe he's scared that Eddie will fuck him up, too. Shockingly, nobody seemed to notice him or attempt to stop him. Once they passed the lineup, Joey told Eddie... You had me worried for a long time, but everything is all right now. Until about three days later, on May 20th, Joey just couldn't help harbor harboring the secret any longer. Oh. He headed into his superior's office and told them everything Eddie had said. Coincidentally, the walls were already starting to come down around Eddie without Joey's confession. Mm. In court, yes, he just, uh, I mean, he just folded like a goddamn mm -hmm. cheap card table, didn't he? Yep. Mm-hmm. Never mind I all think, that stuff I, I said think about I Joey. I think I would too, to be honest. Listen, it's fucked up. Yeah, your buddies, your buddies going around and killing people. I don't care how good of a friend you are. If you tell me you killed somebody, I'm not gonna hide that from. Just like a anybody. therapist. Yeah, Cody. Like what if I were that. to tell you I killed your mortal enemy? Well, I don't have any, so there you go. There you go. Cody's a man free of yep. hatred. I have more friends than enemies, unlike you, asshole. That's right, asshole. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are my mortal enemy. Go kill yourself. Oh. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say something so I, I could make that joke. <laughs> but you beat me to it, you son of a bitch. I know your humor too well. <laughs> they were conducting a lineup once again to see if a witness could recognize the killer, but weren't having much luck. A group of loose soldiers were passing by when a witness named Mr. Jackson yelled out, hey, That's the man who attacked my niece! <laughs> the soldier being pointed at was none other than Private Eddie Leonsky, and he was swiftly arrested. The officer, <laughs> the officer who had handcuffed Eddie described the difficulty in attaching the handcuffs and said, 
Those might have been the thickest wrists I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it was an American soldier, probably, but I'll take it. Oh, it'd be probably be an Australian one coming in. Hey, hey, turn that horse shit on. <laughs> there you go. You can just push it when you feel like saying it there. With Eddie now in custody, Detective McGuffey would want to search his tent. It didn't take long before the evidence started amounting. Mm. The first thing they noticed upon entering his tent was all the mud and yellow clay all over Eddie's bed and the tent itself. Mm. The vagina clay? Well, the clay that they fell over in the ground on. Right. If you want to call but it the yes, vagina Adam, clay, it was there you go. it was yellow clay that was found inside <clears throat> that poor woman's genitalia. And now that's now it's in. See, Eddie's that's tent. what you thought of. What I thought of is like, is there really a difference between mud and clay? Oh yeah, yeah very much there? so. Okay. Clay can makes they, the ground unusable. So can they be mixed together? Can they be mixed together? I mean, because if you step this said in mud he and had clay. mud and clay, yeah. but the clay was wet, then turned to mud. Whoa. Or is it just wet clay? Yeah. I, I don't know. We're getting, Our heads are going to explode trying to figure this out. Anyway, they then noticed the yellow clay stains on his army fatigues and shoes. All the items had shown signs that he had attempted to clean the stains from them. Mm. In a small tin box, they found a newspaper clipping about Ivy McLeod and Pauline Thompson's murder. McGuffey then went to see Eddie and asked if he had anything to do with this. Of course, Eddie just shook his head. McGuffey then told him... I'll be back tomorrow privately, Leonski. <laughs> and I'll have some colleagues with me. He then shook the bag of evidence at Eddie and said, And we'll have some razor blades for you. <laughs> Questions? Razor, razor blades. <laughs> razor that, blades. That's how Australians... Uh, that's a slang for questions. <laughs> if anybody is wondering how so. to do a proper Australian accent... Adam says you just practicing raise a blade. Rise a blade. Rise a blade. Throw a Every few time. shrimp on the bobby, you can cut them up with the raise a blade. <laughs> We're losing it more and more. I know. Every time. That's how we roll, though. That's just how we roll. I see you've played knifey spoony before. <laughs> the following day, McGuffey, accompanied by Detective Fred Adam, would begin their interrogation of Eddie. While they were fairly certain he was, in fact, the killer... A confession would make things much easier. Yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> really breaking new ground here, boys. <laughs> they started with the standard approach of slowly showing him the evidence piece by piece in an attempt to arouse a confession from him, even taking him on walking tours of where Gladys had been murdered and trying to use his friend's Joey's confessions against him. Eddie claimed the yellow clay stains were from the kitchen he had worked in and on top of the fact that he had probably tripped somewhere in base. Mm. Secondly, he claimed his friend was a bit simple and mm. gullible, so he would believe anything you told him. It's not very nice, Eddie. No, no. that's fucked up. <laughs> Even if at the first day of interrogation wouldn't elicit a confession, it would at least get Eddie perhaps a little afraid. The following day, they would take him from his tent for more lineups, and of course, the witnesses all picked him out of six other soldiers. Ah, how's he going to explain this one away? Yeah. With that out of the way, it was time for more interrogations. This is the point when Eddie looked at the detectives and asked, what would happen if he was charged with murder under Victorian law? They told him he would be hanged. <laughs> he asked what would happen if he was charged under U.S. military law. Well, he would face a court-martial but would also be provided with a good counsel. Mm. After thinking for a moment, Eddie leaned forward and in a low voice said, I killed 
After this, Eddie would inform them all he could about his murders. Some of the exact details were a bit fuzzy because of Eddie's constant state of inebriation. Sure. Either way, Eddie would confess in detail about the murders of Pauline and Gladys. The confessions were typed and signed. The confessions were then given to those who worked in the offices of both General MacArthur and the Victorian police. He had not fully confessed to the murder of Ivy McLeod, though, simply because he appeared to have been so drunk he doesn't even remember. God damn. <laughs> he just remembers the two, huh? Yeah, basically. Jesus. Either way, he would be moved into the Victorian police station jail cells since he had escaped Camp Pell's brig so easily before. <laughs> Remember the old drunken yeah. chocolate night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the following day, in his new prison cell, they attempted to get a few more confessions out of him. Firstly, they asked him about the attempted rape, bringing up the mention of the mole on his penis. Oh, boy. So Eddie, <laughs> so Eddie backs up. Whips his penis out, displaying the birthmark or mole. <laughs> Almost out of nowhere, he starts to recall the murder of Ivy McLeod. <laughs> his dick mole reminds Apparently, sent power right to his head. His dick mole sparked it right You know, there. he probably just jerked off to the fucking thought of it, then that got repressed. They think uh, he was just withholding it and pretending like, oh, I was too drunk, I can't remember. Right. But. What a piece of shit. We, we don't know. I hate yeah, you. Yeah, but uh, with what we know about this dude, him being too drunk and not remembering, possible. Very likely. In regards to the murder of Ivan McLeod, he remembered the fact that he was so frustrated when he couldn't remove all of her clothes since her belt wouldn't come off easily. They had basically all the information they needed to charge him with the three murders of these women. While initially there would be discussion whom would be prosecuting him, Australian law or the U.S. military, mm. the U.S. military was granted his request to handle the court case. A court-martial case is very similar to how the Supreme Court handles cases in the Australian states. The court-martial itself is comprised of a minimum of five officers. U.S. soldiers could not be tried by other soldiers of a lower rank, but usually more than five officers would sit in judgment. So commissioned only, lieutenant yes. or above. Right. Gotcha. The prosecutor was known as a judge advocate, and a senior officer was appointed as president of the court. The defense was an army officer, but had the right to brief a civilian uh, lawyer. Gotcha. Okay. The court-martial would begin on June 10th, 1942. Never forget. <laughs> Side note about how Eddie acted in his jail cell. It seems he had suffered from a bit of OCD. When he got up, he would fold his bedding neatly, request a broom and sweep his own cell, then did physical exercises, which meant walking on his hands for 15 <laughs> minutes. What the fuck? Hey, body weight exercise, yeah. man. I'm kind of curious. Why would you give him a broom? That's he's weird. In jail, yeah, that's like, weird. That seems like a weapon, but anyway. He liked to draw women with little text bubbles or wearing bezeared hats. <laughs> or wearing bizarre hats, sorry. That's fucked up. He would also sing with the drunks at night. Awesome. <laughs> Wait, there's... Are, are you saying, like, drunks in jail or drunks walking he's, by the jail? No, no, no. Remember, he's in the Victorian courts jail or whatever. Mm -hmm. And oh, when they arrest drunks yeah. at night, they throw them in the drunk slammer. Yeah, yeah. You're singing along. Yep. Eddie's in there singing with you. Having so. a good wishing he had, wishing he was feeling like they were right mm -hmm. now. Exactly. Because then he go out and strangle a woman. That's right. <clears throat> the members of the homicide squad, whom had put him away in the first place, would often visit him in jail, 
and ask how he was doing. Eddie's defense lawyers were two men named Spencer Eddie and Ira Rothgerber. He's in good hands. <laughs> Don't even say. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure it's Rothgerber and not Rothberger? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Gerber. All right, then. <laughs> you racist fuck. Yeah. I'm just asking yeah, no, because... Don't walk it back now. No, no. Anti-Semite. <laughs> Spencer, in particular, had a very good reputation as being a solid lawyer. As to be expected, the first step was to see if Eddie was, in fact, insane. With his initial plea of not guilty issued on June 10, 1942, his lawyer would request a medical examination. He would soon be seen by two doctors appointed by the prosecution and one by the defense. After multiple examinations with all three doctors, they shared about the same opinion. While his talk of being attracted to women's voices and somehow wanting to collect them for himself was not normal, wow. it did not mean he was insane. Wow. A lot of people can have weird delusions like avoiding cracks in the sidewalks or somehow believing Jordans improve your sex appeal. <laughs> 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 oh god i had to throw that in but fuck you cody <laughs> okay now let me go over this real quick so when a lot of people hear his story the thing they say is and what he told them was basically the sound of a woman's voice he's so attracted to it is when he killed him he was somehow going to extract that for himself okay? i can see it now the weird thing is in this particular book and this author has like you know, insane amount of sources he's looked through. It seems like he might have just been more of a homicidal murderer more than like this, had this crazy notion of collecting one. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like this was just a sidebar that then got way overthrown, or like overthought. Blown of, out of proportion. Because yeah, exactly. it's, uh, it's a fantastical story. He could have just said he liked to hear women's voices and then they're like, oh, all this shit. So Sure. With his sanity now settled, the court-martial would resume on July 13, 1942. General MacArthur made sure to keep the trial very orderly, not allowing the media to intervene much and hiding the identity of those involved on the American side except for Eddie Leonsky. Mm. The trial would only last five days, with Eddie's defense attorneys doing the best they absolutely could with three signed confessions. <laughs> the odds of saving him from a life sentence was almost out of the question, but perhaps he would have a chance of avoiding the death penalty due to his lack of mental facilities. On the fifth day, the officers convened to figure out his sentence. When they returned, they handed it to Colonel Woodward, and it reads as follows. Private Leonsky, it is my duty as president of this court to inform you that the court, in closed session and upon secret written ballot, three-fourths of the members present at the time the vote was taken, concurring in each finding of guilty, finds you, of all the specifications and of the charge, guilty. And again, in closed session and upon secret written ballot, all of the members present at the time of the vote was taken, concurring, sends you to be hanged by the neck until dead. A little morbid. Fucking good. That's worded like so terribly. I know. Hopefully, like, they I have know. him drop like just enough to where he actually strangles and he gets to kick feels the fucking pain. That I don't think this is 1800s doesn't. England, Jordan. I think they're gonna kill well, him. Well, there pretty needs quick. to be a sense of justice. Yeah, I, I agree. Guess. I agree. On his way out of the courtroom, Eddie told reporters, "Well, I guess that's it." <laughs> He was trying to go out with a fucking catchphrase. That son of a bitch. 
Well, that, 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 that's how, <laughs> folks. Some some say Perfect. that's where Porky Pig got it from. <laughs> what if the creator of Looney Tunes actually did do that? It was you a seen huge... these like, well, that's all, folks. <laughs> the huge Eddie Guess Lee. That's, it. that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> While waiting for his ride back to the prison, Eddie and fellow guards were enjoying a cigarette. One of the police officers had approached Eddie to greet him. Eddie waved, holding his cigarette, and said, I'll have to give him smoking. It's bad for my throat. <laughs> so he's a fucking jokester, too. Listen, catchphrases, jokes, he wants it all. Yeah, hold on, guys. We're not done with the jokes yet. Cut <laughs> it out, Eddie. After the trial, to commute a death sentence in military law, they had to forward and confirm the sentence with the president himself, FDR, which he did. Nice. Hey, I'm related to him. No, you are not. Yes. No, you're not. You are not related to fucking Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin, distant relative through marriage, though. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, also... so now the Bumblebuck Cop Podcast has a fucking rock star and someone's related to an awesome president. That's right. Fuck? Hey. fuck you, Jordan. I hate yeah, you. You're a piece of yeah, shit. I, I just... <laughs> Never mind. I hate you. Next, as usual, were several appeals that would ultimately be turned down. Until October 14th, 1942, General MacArthur himself confirmed the sentence. Fuck yeah. yeah. In the USA 1 limo. <laughs> just like, yeah, fucking he kill just him. Raised, he just rolls the window down just a hair bit and hands the sheet to him. Oh, that's up. baller. USA Take 1, baby. <laughs> it is believed all along MacArthur wanted this whole situation to just go away and no longer hamper the relations between Australia and the US. Yeah, that makes sense. With Eddie's death sentence looming, it seemed Eddie was prepared to die. He said such things as, Don't worry about me. I've always been ready to die since I was 16. I've been wanting experience, and this will be a new experience for me. Hmm. There'll be plenty of experiences for me, hmm. I suppose, on the other side. Or, They say I got a severe sentence, but I don't think so. I think I got out of it lucky with death. Death is a wonderful thing. <laughs> kind of sounds like Jordan, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of. A little sad boy. <laughs> the guards also took note that he did keep his normal sense of humor, saying things like, I'm yawning right now. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> no need for you to look glum. I'm the one who's going to get his neck pulled. Or, I'm fine. They're going to lift my face for me. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> Damn. Hey, he's fucking funny for being a sadistic prick. We got we got to remember, we're not really reading it like this, you know, but in the book itself, it kind of made it seem like a lot of people really liked him when he was sober. When he was oh. drunk is when he turned into this, like, psychopath. To so, the werewolf. Yeah. yeah, so when he was in jail, all the officers and all the detectives, they were always talking to him. They loved fucking him. with him, I'm sure, And yeah. they really don't think he would have been hanged if the war wasn't going on, per se, right? If we didn't need to keep peace with Australia, right, yeah. basically. Right, MacArthur just wanted him gone and out of there, so. Makes sense. Finally, on November 4th, General MacArthur signed the execution order, and the execution would take place on November 9th, 1942. The night before his execution, Eddie had quite a few people come to visit him, such as priests and the detectives. Detective Sid McGuffey, in particular, had asked him how he had managed to strangle all three women. Eddie said, I'll show you. And McGuffey <laughs> allowed Eddie to wrap his hands around his neck and give him a demonstration. 
but <laughs> obviously did not kill him. That's some balls, though. Fuck right? yeah. That is some fucking balls. What a beast. You got to imagine, there's probably multiple other officers sure. around there. So if he did decide to try something, it's not going to work. What if McGuffey's like, Eddie, choke me. My wife won't. Please oh. choke me once. <laughs> I got to come, man. It's like, yeah, show me. Harder, daddy. What? What? <laughs> Spank my ass, please. <laughs> Oi, mate, is that a pack of rollies in your pocket? Nah, be my dick. <laughs> the rise of lights. The rise of lights, mate. The day came for the execution, and upon leaving to head for the gallows, he stopped and said to the sergeant sitting at the front desk, Goodbye, old timer. This is the end of the long, long trail. Thanks for all you guys did for me. I won't forget. I won't forget. But I won't have very long to remember, will I? <laughs> Baller. When, when he approached the gallows, an MP standing next to Eddie said, I'm sorry, buddy. Eddie replied, It's quite okay, pal. Carry on. They then covered his head with a black hood, attached the noose, and the trapdoor open. It appeared he died almost instantly. But as a tradition, they would leave him hang there for an hour to ensure he was in fact dead. Later in the morning of November 9th, 1942, this statement was issued by the U.S. military. The sentence imposed by court-martial on Private Leonsky has been approved by the Board of Review and the Commander-in-Chief, and Leonsky has been executed. The sentence was carried out today by hanging. And, fellas, that is the story of Edward Leonsky. I have to say something. Yes. I'm conflicted. Okay. For the first time. This guy... I think he was fucked up by addiction yeah. and mental illness. I was going to say, I think, I think his, uh, whatever inherited schizophrenia or whatever. I think that was like peeking, peeking out of him a little bit or yeah. some, something was going on in his head. This isn't as cookie cutter as no, most of the other no. ones we've talked about. Obviously there's no excuse for murdering people. No, he deserved to die for it, but, but it, it makes you wonder if they would have left him in jail versus needing to kill him right away. There's also a story that right around the time of his uh, sentencing, another U.S. soldier had shot a, I believe, a Australian soldier or something in like a different camp. And that's really when MacArthur's like, all right, let's get this guy. We got to we gotta seal the deal on this yep. fucking shit or whatever. This one's, so, and that's a slam dunk. That's yeah, like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. we can appease the Australians so quickly mm-hmm. if we hang, yep. hang this guy right now. Especially since the Australians hadn't allowed the U.S. military to handle it when I'm sure they wanted to handle it. Certainly. And what did they say, too? He was He's the only person ever to be hung in Australia but not under Australian law. Wow. If that makes sense. Wow. So, it yeah. certainly does make sense. Yeah. yeah. So he's the only person ever. So That's so, wonderful. It's you a know, crazy my, story. My only issue is that uh, it seemingly appeared he died instantly. <laughs> yeah, he had a little... I mean, I wish he would have uh, been hanging there for the hour or whatever that they do. I feel you, Jordan. Still been alive, and someone grab his legs and be like, "All right, come on." I have a feeling the U.S. military is a lot more like uh, they know how to actually hang someone. Versus, say, Marianne Cotton's hangman. He's just kind of do whatever you want, George. Go ahead, do whatever you want. I got some shoestrings here. (laughs) No problem, do you? That's uh, I understand how you feel on that, Jordan. Yeah. I I don't. I I'm having I'm having a rough time with this yeah. one. Eddie Leonsky, he's a uh, a I tragic th- character. I think he I think he was actually like a sick dude, like mentally sick yeah. dude, a and sick puppy. 
you know, obviously any sort of alcohol or drugs can just make that shit come out of anybody. Just exacerbates yeah. it. You so, think you're medicating, but yeah. it's really not helping. Mm-hmm. Alcohol, terrible for you. Alcohol's bad. <laughs> Bumblebutt. Truth. Just look at Jordan. <laughs> That's right. With his stack of beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for another week of Bumblebutt Podcast. Of course, tune in Wednesday for Between the Bumbles. And, of course, please email us. We have another email that we're going to read out Between the Bumbles as well. Right. It's going to be fantastic. You can do that at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod. On Facebook and Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least right. if you ask Cody. Mm-hmm. Our iTunes review. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Fuck you. yes. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not going to lie. Seeing like the non- Written reviews is kind of hard to keep count at this point, but I believe it was three of them, three five star ones, and we have two that are written. And the three, and some of the unwritten ones also could be foreigners too, right? Um, no, these people on the iTunes we can see strictly from America. This okay, week. even the internationals we don't know, or even the unwritten ones. Right, Those are counted. Right, right, right. Oh, that sucks. I, know. I fucking hate iTunes. I yeah. know. Why Fuck does it. that have to be the majority downloads? I don't know. Don't know. Because it's easy, I guess. Yeah. That's but then true. again, so is Spotify. Yeah. So, let's start, fellas. Bumblebutt knocks on our Bumblebutts. Okay. Well, what was it? Bumblebutt knocks on our Bumblebutts. Hell yes. Bumblebutt, probably Bumblebutt knocks us on our Bumblebutt. No, it says on, but All either right. way, we totally understand. This is by Crime Culture Podcast. I actually was listening to them this week. Uh, I do like his show, so check them out. These guys do it all. Their content is interesting, they're great hosts, and they make sure no <laughs> and no stone is left unturned when doing their research. Wow. If you're in the market for a new podcast, check them out. And if you're not, check them out anyway. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Man. You're awesome. That's peace. All right. All right, that is enough of that. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was uh, funny. We're, we're in trouble now. He's going to hit that shit all the time. All right, keep it up, guys, by... Snafood podcast. I listen to Snafood. them. Snafood. I listen to them too. Very yep. good. Adam and Cody are so good. I guess they don't like Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> when they decide to bring you a thoroughly entertaining, if not gross, story, I love them. You know what? You're not getting an air horn. Hey, they might have only heard before you entered the scene. So thank you very much, yeah, and thank we you. agree completely. Right, we are fucking awesome. Thanks for the reviews; they're awesome. Fuck you, Jordan. You know when I'm having a down day and I open up and I see we got a new review, it just makes yeah. brightens my day. Oh up yeah, every week. Any bit of interaction makes mm-hmm. me fucking happy. Mm-hmm. I can't always respond because I get scared. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> for the most part, I can't. I respond most of the time. I know. We're introverts. We're sorry. We're Unless doing you're... our best. All right. Anyway, guys, I want you all to have a great goddamn weekend. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Tuesday. Ooh. You didn't even hit your horn. No, because I'm mad about snack food. That makes sense. <laughs> Talking not do shit. I ain't hesitant, straight motivated. 